was somewhere in this area where he came upon a village, and as he was on the outskirts of the village, there were these ten men, and they were yelling, and they knew who they were yelling to, and we know that because of what they yelled. They yelled, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So leprosy, that's kind of the next thing you kind of look at. That's something that, again, um, leprosy is another thing that's kind of interesting in the Bible that, that a lot of time when we think of leprosy, it comes up as this it debilitating, it affects your nerves, it's crippling, and because you don't have any nerve feeling in your fingers or your toes, eventually they just kind of fall off from all of the falling apart. Now, that was kind of what we always hear about leprosy, and there's even contention on that might not have been the leprosy that, that was happening in this time period, that it was a horrible skin disease that was still contagious, where they would have had lesions, and they would have had um, like a white, whiteness of skin and things like that, and different rashes they would have been battling. And, and again, just the contagious factor would have played into this too. And the reason that many think that this was not how we think of leprosy today as the debilitating nerve damage one, is that many of the lepers that come up in the Bible seem to be mobile. Um, even a, a while back, I know Pastor Jason even did a message on Naaman, the Syrian general, who he was a general leading his army and yet had leprosy, and many of the others who were coming to Jesus. And so with that mobility, it's why they think, and looking to Leviticus, where they talk about how to deal with lepers, that it was still this horrible skin disease. And that's the important part, that no matter what they looked like, they were not just contagious, they were considered ceremonially unclean. They had to be apart from everyone else and had to live on, in the outskirts and were thought of as a little bit less than. That unless it was your loved one, you probably didn't even want to think about them and unless you found other lepers to be around, you probably were just a loner until maybe someone else you came across had leprosy and then you could form your little kind of leper colony like apparently these guys did. But nonetheless, you were in a lot of ways alone. And if not alone, a social pariah, an outsider, unclean people ran from you and they saw you or probably covering up their noses and mouths because they didn't even want to breathe the air you were around you, any of that. And part of that law was as a leper, you needed to stay away. And that's why in this we see that they were on the outskirts of the city. They weren't in the city begging. They were on the outskirts. In one way or another, through the grapevine or through seeing maybe crowds moving at times, they had heard about Jesus because they called to him. They called to Jesus. They knew who he was. And they knew he was capable of healing. And they reached out. And that's what they did. They, when they came upon him, they knew who it was. And they yelled, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Which, again, was a pretty common thing that beggars would say to, to yell out for mercy in that way. And, and yelling out. And... I was thinking about how it's interesting how they didn't just say Jesus or, or anything, but they had this Jesus master. 
And when I looked, I found that there was a psalm, Psalm 123. I don't think this is necessarily what the lepers were, were was conjuring in their minds necessarily. But it's interesting that when I went to Psalm 123, how there is a real parallel in these lepers' lives and in their desperation, in their understanding of who God was, and what was happening here in Psalm 123, which I'm going to find. Bookmarks are for, are for cheaters, right? All right, so here's Psalm 123. It says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. That psalm was written during the Babylonian exile, when the Jews were under persecution and many of them were taken to Babylon. That would have been Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were some of the Bible heroes we think of during that time period. And that's when that was written. And yet you can kind of feel a similar sentiment in that they, want, they were lifting their eyes to who they saw as not just this guy, but as the master. They saw him as the one they looked to in all of these ways and called to him for mercy. They had a longing to be healed, and they saw this as their hope. And these lepers... Of course, we're not in some far-off country, um, but they were exiles. They were, they felt a little outside, feeling, not only were they feeling the normal oppression that everyone who was a Jew felt from the Roman Empire, but just, just not welcomed anywhere like we talked about. They were welcomed nowhere in that way. And so, what do they do but reach out to the one hope that they see that can bring them out of that dire situation. But what we end up hopefully seeing by the end of this little interlude here is that, and what we know, is that Jesus offers more than just skin cleansing in this way. And in this moment, when we see how he healed them, there wasn't some epic healing, there wasn't Jesus spitting on dirt rubbing it on their bodies. There wasn't even, there wasn't what even how he did with Lazarus, yell out for Lazarus to come. He didn't even heal them in that moment. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed, which is why the one returned when he realized he was healed. And again, another thing that we see in this, that it really points to just our own, our own faith, that what Jesus gets to with that Samaritan at the end of this is really all of us, that in our first moments of becoming Christian and seeing that, we're first off just recognizing the truth of God's word, we're trusting in who Jesus is, and that's what these lepers are doing. They were trusting Jesus' word, that when he said, go and show yourselves to the priests, 
that, just that, you don't go to the priests. That was a Levitical law. You don't go to the priests until you're pretty sure that you're healed so that they can give you the, yes, you are, and uh, you can come back into normal society from there. And so the fact that they were going to the priests was a step of faith. They had to have faith in understanding that Jesus was true to his word, that when he said go to the priests, that in their minds they knew that meant, like, I mean, we don't go to the priests until we're healed. And so there had to be this trusting his word. And that's what we do, right? And so that's where the faith kicks in. That they were told... They were told of Jesus, and they knew who he was. They were understanding who he was to a degree. And when they heard what he could do, it caused them to put their confidence and assurance in him that that they would be healed. They trusted that. They had confidence that even though they couldn't see the fullness of the results, they couldn't see everything of what that was going to look like, that they had faith that they would be declared king be declared clean before the priests. Which is the same faith we need to have, isn't it? We, we, we don't see the full picture of what, it, what it's going to look like. We don't, we don't know when it's going to be. Um, but what we do know is that Jesus is the one who came to save, who came to heal us from the sin problem, which is even bigger than this ailment or malady or whatever this would have been called in that, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And I hope that many of you in here already know that, that that's like, that, that, that's, that's the truth, that's the, un, the truth, you understand that truth, you know that, and you have your hope in him. But if you don't, that's what we're seeing more than anything in this little tidbit of scripture that God uses whatever means to put a bug, to put a bug in our ears about him, and it causes us to look. And when we do that, we see that we're unclean, that we're outsiders, that we're imperfect, that we are lost in the wilderness without hope. And so when... The Son of God is revealed to us, like what happened with these lepers. That our shout really is no different. That when that happens, that our shout is the same. That it's Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's the same thing, no matter how you said it. That's what our hope is. That's what we look to. That's what we turn to. That our hope comes in the form of God's mercy and grace. That free gift of grace through the faith. And that's what Paul, that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians, that it's um, um, by faith, by grace we're saved through faith and not of our own work, but God's free gift. And so, when we stand before God in judgment, we can do so confidently that Jesus paid it already, that we're, we're clean because of Jesus. And that's what happened here. These lepers, they went and they knew that when they showed themselves to the priests, it was because Jesus healed them, that they would be clean because of Jesus. So when we look at these last few verses here, 
there's a few cues that you can get from that tenth leper. Um, firstly, when you realize what God's done for you through Jesus, that I think or I hope that we're all like that tenth leper who returns, returns to him and worships him and gives thanks for what he's done. And secondly, this tenth leper, it's pointed out specifically that he's a Samaritan, a foreigner, an outsider. So, depending on what translation you have, the, trans, the translation we use here what says he's a Samaritan and then later calls him a foreigner. But he wasn't a true Jew, right? And that's another thing that's interesting about these lepers is for the sake of having other people to be with, they probably weren't always worried about, wait before you come in, are you a Jew? You know, they probably weren't so worried about that. They just ended up having banding together probably in some way where one of them ended up being a Samaritan. And it goes back to like that map I showed you where, again, on the whole, Jews would have tried to avoid Samaritans. We, we know that maybe if you've looked at Scripture in other places or when Jesus tells the parable of the good Samaritan, that, that in that story that Jesus tells, it, again, it's the outsider that shows mercy in those ways. And that, so Samaritans, they would have been Jewish in some ways, but in all of the important ways, all of the ways that would have been deemed important in the Jewish religion, they would, have not have, they would not have been Jews. And even though he was a foreigner, even though he was a Samaritan, Jesus didn't treat him any different in this moment, that he healed him all the same, right? That there was no difference. It wasn't, you nine are healed, but not the Samaritan. No, he told them to go and show themselves to the priests, and it just reminded me again of, of one of the things we looked at during Advent when God used whatever means it was. Pastor Jason walked us through the different theories they have on what put the star in the sky, whether it was a cosmic event, whether it was the, the glory of God from the angels, or whether it was just a new star. Whatever it was that these foreigners from the east were compelled. They were compelled. They, God used they're looking to the stars and used their just natural instinct to, of, of curiosity, of understanding things, to seek this, seek this person out. When they, when they were putting together that it was this king of the Jews that was being born when this star would come to the sun, when they started to put that together, they were compelled to go and find the Christ and when they saw him, they did, when the, however many wise men there were, when they saw Jesus, they did the same thing this tenth leper did. They fell and they worshipped when they saw who it was that they came to. And again, why I was reminded of this is that God was reaching to outsiders. God was starting this process of also bringing Gentiles in, which is, I would assume, all of us in this room, that, that it wasn't just going to be a certain nationality that was going to be a part of God's kingdom, but it was going to be people from all races and creeds that he was drawing to himself. 
And that's what we see in that, in that story of, of the wise men. That they were drawn and they worshipped just the same. And so, that's what I hope that you think about today. That we remember that we have a Savior that came to heal us from the worst problem we have and bring us that peace with God. And so as the worship team comes up, I want to read from a book that Pastor Jason and I have been, have been reading through. I think some of you have done it in Sunday school class. But I was reminded of a section in here as I was putting this message together of, of again, just another... Um, understanding these things of how Christ calls us. And, and this book is really just about not anything new or groundbreaking, but taking us back to just a better understanding of the heart of Christ. So it says here, Jesus Christ's earthly ministry was one of giving back to undeserving sinners their humanity. We tend to think of the miracles of the Gospels as interruptions in the natural order. Yet, German theologian Jürgen Moltmann points out that miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but the restoration of the natural order. We are so used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural. They feel like they are the interruption. When Jesus expels demons and heals the sick, he, sick He's driving out of creation the powers of destruction and is healing and restoring created things who are hurt and sick. The lordship of God to which the healings witness restores creation to health. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are, on, they are the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. Jesus walked the earth rehumanizing the dehumanized and cleansing the unclean. Why? Because his heart refused to let him sleep in. Sadness confronted him in every town. So wherever he went, whenever he was confronted with pain and longing, he spread the good contagion of his cleansing mercy. Thomas Goodwin said, Christ is love covered over in flesh. Picture it. Pull back the flesh on the Stepford Wives or the Terminator, and you find machine. Pull back the flesh on Christ, and you find love. If compassion closed itself in a human body and went walking around this earth, what would it look like? We don't have to wonder. And I just think that's such a great way to just, how God's mercy and his restoration, his mercy and grace is us regaining our humanity. Is God restoring us back to the way we are meant to be? And so let's, let's stand as we, as we worship here. What love could remember No wrongs we have done Omniscient, all-knowing not their son thrown into a sea without bottom or shore our sins they are many his 
Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks for coming today.